What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pre-Professional Podcast. I am your host, Zach Kraft, along with host Colton Watrin. Today, we had the honor of talking with Christian Harris. For those of you who do not know Christian, he is a competitive CrossFit athlete, brand owner, father, husband, you name it, he does it. In this episode, we talk about how to pursue greatness in your sport and your business. We get into the good, bad, and ugly about high-level competition and the stress that comes with being an entrepreneur. Again, don't forget to like and share this podcast. We really appreciate the support. Without further ado, Christian Harris. Uh, according to what you guys see out there, I am an entrepreneur and athlete. I own several businesses, and I am also a CrossFit Games athlete. I kind of got into CrossFit about 10 years ago now, maybe 11 years ago, 2011, actually about 12 years ago, almost 12 years now. And once I got into it, I kind of fell in love, like most people that get into CrossFit. Opened up a gym in 2014, started a brand, and throughout the years, evolved these brands and businesses into what you guys see today, a clothing company, an online training platform, a brick-and-mortar gym, um, as well as being a competitive athlete out there in the CrossFit game space. Nice. Now, like so many people want to get into the competitive athlete realm. They want to be either, whether it's like NBA, NFL, a lot of people don't think about the strength sports, but CrossFit, weightlifting, powerlifting, those are all like competitive athletes. Like some of them make money doing what they're doing. Um, and not everyone starts from the same spot. And so you have an athletic background. Could you run us through a little bit of like the, the background that you had before getting into CrossFit um, that brought you to the point that you're at today? Absolutely. So as a kid, my primary sport was baseball. I played organized baseball from the age of five all the way up through senior year of high school. But I also played, you know, pickup games of basketball, um, football, things of that nature, and was just an obnoxiously active, competitive kid growing up. Any sport outside of baseball that was organized, uh, I played it. I was competitive in it. And when I got to senior year of high school, well, really junior year of high school, I sat with a group of kids at lunch that were all on the football team and they kind of encouraged me to give football a shot. So senior year, I played football, played wide receiver, and we weren't great, but I loved the camaraderie aspect of football and the hardworking aspect. It was a much more physical game than baseball is. And I ended up trying to pursue that in college. So from there, I went to a junior college to start to get some looks because we were really bad in high school. We were one in seven and uh, tried to just get some looks at a junior college so I could transfer to a bigger school. I ended up transferring to a D2 school where I played wide receiver there and worked my butt off to become a starter and eventually an all-conference wide receiver. That's just, I feel like that's cool. That's definitely like a testament of hard work. Obviously, there's natural athleticism, but it comes along with it. And then how did you get into CrossFit? Because now, obviously, like that's your bread and butter. So how do you trans, uh, transfer from football in college to just getting into CrossFit and being so successful and so competitive in that space? 
Sure. Um, about junior year of college, I started working at a place called Parisi Speed School, which is working with athletes on more speed and agility and power. And one of my coworkers at the time, Greg Melita, he was telling me about this thing called CrossFit and that I would be good at it. And long story short, after about a year of him telling me that I should give it a shot, this is after college and you know, I didn't really have anything competitive going on in my life. I tried a CrossFit workout, kicked my ass, and I said, I need more of that. Um, so I dove in head first. Within a month, I was studying and got my L1 cert and started working at a CrossFit gym because I really felt like this was something that I could see myself doing for a long time. And I wanted to get better. So one of the things that I was really bad at in the beginning is the Olympic lift, the snatch. And I was working on this multiple times per week, mobility, uh, strength aspects, accessory exercises to try to get better at this one lift. And um, this is in 2011, at the end of 2011. I signed up for the CrossFit Open in 2012. And that was my first year of doing CrossFit. Did well enough to earn a spot at regionals at the time, which is now like a semifinals. And did pretty well there. I think I was maybe top 10 or so. And uh, it really just got me hungry to want to continue to get better at the sport and continue to better myself. And so, like, when people talk about CrossFit, I feel like too often it's, like, there's the fitness space where, like, bodybuilders are and powerlifters and whatever, and then there's CrossFit. I feel like these people over here try to, like, make sure CrossFit isn't part of it. And I think it's a lot of it's because there's risk of injury and there's people don't like cardio and stuff like that. But I feel like CrossFit is such a, a beneficial sport. And I'll say it's a sport because it's more athletic than a lot of those other things. But, like, I feel like there's good, bad, ugly, and everything. But let's talk about, like, kind of, like, the bad reputation that CrossFit gets. Do you have a rebuttal against, like, someone's like, oh, dude, CrossFit's terrible, it's stupid, blah, 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 whatever. Like, what would you say to somebody like that? Yeah, so I kind of was one of these people in the beginning until I tried my first workout. But most of the the bad rap with CrossFit, I think, comes from what they see on the outside, usually things like kipping pull-ups or, you know, high rep, high reps of uh, Olympic weightlifting movements. And really those things can be dangerous to someone that is brand new. You know, day one, you've never done pull-ups or, you know, the snatch or a clean and jerk before. These are all pretty complex and high-skilled movements. Day one, if you're throwing someone into this that is inexperienced, yes, their joints, their bodies are not conditioned to this these types of movements. Therefore, they risk the, the they increase their risk for injury. Um, I think nowadays people do a much better job of screening clients before they get into a gym. Where I think in the more grassroots days of CrossFit everybody was just kind of jumping in and engulfing themselves right away. 
And I think that's kind of where that disconnect is between modalities of fitness, meaning CrossFit versus bodybuilding or powerlifting, et cetera. And I feel like when CrossFit kind of came about, there was a lot of people. I worked in a chiropractic office for a lot of time, for a long time, and some people would come in and they would say, "Yeah, I do CrossFit," and you're just kind of like, "Oh man, I don't know if you do CrossFit," because there is a huge difference between like CrossFit for competition and CrossFit for like general pop fitness. Hundred percent agree. And I feel like there's a lot of people when they think CrossFit, they don't kind of uh, dissociate the two; they they marry the two. And so I think that's where, where a lot of people kind of get nervous with like injury and stuff like that. So like if a new person were to come to your gym, right, you have your brick and mortar gym and they're like, Hey, I've never tried CrossFit before. Like what would your intake look, um, look like for them getting them started in your gym? So there's really, um, two things that would happen. One is you kind of want to do an assessment with this person just to see what their mobility is like, but also to get a feel for what, you know, their background is prior to CrossFit. Um, You know, somebody that is conditioned, but doesn't have the, um, I guess they don't have the experience doing things like Olympic weightlifting or doing movements on a pull-up bar rings that is somebody you kind of want to obviously work the foundational movements with, but you can give them some of that high intensity factor for somebody that is just off the streets, never done anything a day in their life. That's going to be a much more baby step type of process getting into fitness. So you're, you're definitely working with body weight primarily in the beginning um, and just learning how to move your body in, in space. And I think too, like, so a lot of people, I mean, myself included, but I feel like a lot of people as a person, we have this, um, competitive nature, regardless of whether or not we, we want to. Um, and we kind of get a little envious of people that are doing things better than us. And I think that's where Instagram and all that social media platform ha- has a, it's taken a toll on people in the fitness industry. But with people that come into the gym and they see people like you or maybe you have some other games athletes in your gym training, they're like, I want to do that right now. How do you kind of like, do you try to rein them in or do you just like say, hey, this is what we're going to do to get you there if you're ready to work for it? Yeah, I mean, it really just depends on what that person is looking for and, and, and what they see. But you know, there's all sorts of personalities and, um, I guess, agendas when people get into CrossFit. You know, a lot of people, they'll walk in and they say, you know, in one year, I'd like to get to the CrossFit Games. And that's like a pretty lofty goal to put out there, not really understanding what it actually takes to do that. So without trying to crush people emotionally what I would do is in that case, it's just kind of like, all right, you know, we could take some steps towards that in about, you know, three to four months. Let's see what, what your numbers look like and see if these line up with some of the benchmarks that you would see 
in a CrossFit Games athlete, right? And then we can kind of make adjustments from there, set some goals that are actually a little bit more attainable. And I think it's too, like, like for myself, like, I follow, like, Blaine McConnell on Instagram. He either makes me want to go jump for 10 hours straight so I can get a vertical <laughs> like him, or he makes me never want to go to the gym again because I'm like, I'll never be like that. And I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, like, this person can do it. Why can't I do it? Like with Blaine, I mean, it was what his first year ever doing CrossFit, and he goes, "Yeah, I'll just go to the games with the team." Like back in 2016, and like not everybody is is Blaine McConnell. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, genetics does play a factor, but also your training age is something that a lot of people don't consider as well. Um, what I mean by training age is how long you've been training for before you. Well, just in general, right? I mean, I've been working out since 10th grade. So I have a lot more experience lifting weights and training in general than somebody that maybe didn't play any sports in college or high school for that matter. And now they're trying to get into a sport like CrossFit where their training age is zero. So, you know, your body needs to adapt and just kind of progress naturally from there. Mm -hmm. And so moving away a little bit from like the general population CrossFit, let's get into like highly competitive, like games, athletes, uh, the good, the bad and the ugly with it when it comes to getting to this high level, right? Obviously the, there's big stressors. There's big game. I don't, I would say there's certain competitions like there's obviously the games, but some people said, I, I heard somebody say that Wadapalooza is almost bigger than the games? Um, so I would say Wadapalooza, yeah, it's, I'd say it's around the same size as the games in terms of like just what the weekend looks like um, from a volume standpoint, which although it did change a bit this year, but the amount of athletes that participate, the people that come in from all over the place to spectate and watch the vendors it really is a big big thing and the thing i like about wadapalooza is you kind of especially for you know your your everyday crossfit athlete or as a fan you can walk up at any point to a crossfit games athlete in a wadapalooza setting and it's a much more fun experience in a sense, right? You can kind of go, at least from what I understand, you can kind of just go and shoot the shit with someone. Whereas at the games, everybody's very, very business. You know, like the games is the culmination of your entire year coming to a head. So every everything is much more serious. But at Wadapalooza, it's a much more laid back environment. Yes, you're competing, but, you know, it's the start of the season. There's not really any big pressure on you to perform um, at least that's how I go about it for Wadapalooza. And so even though there's not this pressure to perform just because it is at the beginning of the season, um, having all these dudes around that are like the guys, I don't know. I don't think, I don't know if Frazier competed this year, did he? No. Or does he compete? Right. I don't know if any of those dudes competed, but like having, knowing that like there's big name guys competing against you, does that make you nervous? And you're like, Oh shoot. Like I really got to go after it. Or is it like, awesome. I'm in the league with these dudes. And so I'm going to fight against them and train harder and do better than all these other guys. 
Yeah, in the beginning, I definitely had that kind of mindset. Um, like one of my first years doing Wadapalooza, I competed with, at the time, uh, Marcus Hendren and Graham Holmberg. And Graham Holmberg, he was a previous CrossFit Games winner before Froning started the uh, the streaks. And uh, Marcus Hendren, who was an annual games competitor. So, you know, I, I was on a team with these guys at Wadapalooza, a team of three. And just being in that company and being amongst some of these top level athletes, yeah, you kind of like get this, oh, wow, like these guys are these guys are it, you know? But now being in the space for so long, I don't really get phased or, you know, thrown off by that type of thing. Um, it's more of the latter of what you said. It's like, all right, let's, let's get after it. Let's dig in here and, and see what we got. Do you still have like the nerves every time you're going to compete or is it kind of baselined out now? Oh yeah. I still have the nerves. I still have it before certain workouts, you know, the ones that, especially I know are going to hurt. Mm -hmm. I definitely find myself sometimes uh, procrastinating to get the, the 10 second countdown started. I'll, I'll go to the bathroom or I'll, you know, go grab a sip of water or just like find myself thinking about things and just wasting time away. Yeah. Whatever you can do not to start whatever you're about. To do. <laughs> I completely understand yeah. that. And that's, that's funny because I feel like that's, but it's so, a, yeah, you go. But, but it's a good feeling, you know, like it lets you know you're alive and, you know, before a workout starts or before, you know, an event starts in, at the games or a, any competition in general, like if you don't have those nerves, I don't know. I think there's, there's something a little bit off. Yeah. I mean, if you don't put this thing to a high standard, then there might be something wrong with you. Yeah. So this is a question that's going to get a little bit like political in the organization of CrossFit. So I apologize if this is not a, a question you enjoy, but how do you handle like, there's a lot of drug accusations in CrossFit. There's the, uh, a lot of the things that I hear is, well, this number six dude got popped for drugs. And you're going to tell me that he was only number six on drugs. And this five, four, three, two, one, they weren't. And then there's these other guys that are like, not obviously not taking steroids or taking any, any form of peptide or whatever. How do you feel like in terms like from a fairness perspective, like, that you can like safely go in here and be like, I'm going to do the best I can and still have a feeling that you could come out on top, even though, you know, some guys are on steroids or on drugs. How do you handle that? Honestly, that's not even a thought of mine. Um, I can only control what I put in my body and, you know, control the things that I can. So for me to worry about what someone else is doing or, you know, this one having a competitive advantage, all it's going to do is just bring me down a bit in terms of like stress and focus. So I, I don't really think about those things. So you just kind of quiet the noise in regards to like the steroid accusations and stuff like that. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Which I, I feel um, like that's good. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't live my life worrying about what anyone else is doing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but in the case of two years ago where one of my teammates actually got popped for a banned substance, it definitely made me realize that 
you know, we need to be more educated as athletes and as a community that yes, there, this stuff does go on and here are the things that you can do to educate yourselves so that you don't have this instance happen to you. Yeah. And I feel like that's one of the things that a lot of people kind of use the whole um, steroid accusations as kind of a reason as to why they didn't do well. And I feel like that's a super unhealthy mindset to be in when it comes to this competition, because regardless whether or not they're on, this other person's on steroids, you still perform, perform the best way you can. And a lot of people, I feel like use that to their advantage to kind of like brush off a shitty performance or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not how I think about things, but uh, yeah, that's not really a great way to, to go about assessing your, your performance and your abilities, right? Like at the end of the day, it all, it all comes down to your performance. And if you are someone that truly put your best foot forward and left it all out there, then you shouldn't have any regrets with what the numbers say. You left it all out there and your full effort is your full victory. And I feel like this conversation transitions well into, like, obviously a lot of these substances help you with like longevity and whatnot. And regardless from these substances, let's talk about longevity in CrossFit, right? Like every athlete has a shelf life. I mean, Tom Brady just retired and we thought he was going to die on the football field because he's been playing for so long. So when it comes to longevity in CrossFit or in this space for the high level athletes, what does that look like long-term? Do you guys think about that or does it just kind of go, okay, well, I guess I'll just go until my body's done. Yeah. It's funny. You should mention that this is going to be my last year competing. Um, not necessarily because of a physical from a physical standpoint, but more mentally, you know, I've been in the space competing year in and year out since 2011. So, you know, my kids are getting older I'm getting older. I want to be able to enjoy their lives and everything that they're doing, you know, spend time with the wife more and travel more. And it's just hard to do those things when you have to make so many sacrifices being a competitive CrossFit athlete, you know, going to bed early, making sure that you're getting enough sleep, your nutrition, you know, it even means going to places sometimes with your food already prepared and a Tupperware hydration. And it's like, you need to be on your game 95% of the time if you really want to do well. So it's going to be nice to ease up a little bit off of that. You know, I'm not saying I'm going to let myself go. I'm still going to be working out hard and, and doing all of those things because I want to live a, a long, fruitful life. But I'm not going to need to sacrifice the same way that I did when I was competing as I'm competing right now um, forever. Now, the fact that you are almost done competing, obviously, that's disappointing. And <laughs> that uh, nobody likes to quit what they're doing. Or I, I don't want to say quit. In this situation, retire or um, finish what they've been doing for such a long time. But with CrossFit being like a training lifestyle and like a competition aspect, how do you how do you think you're going to go from being like, this is what I do to compete, having that edge and having that like drive to keep going 
And now that you don't have that competitive nature, how are you going to stay on top of it the way you were staying on top of it before? That's a great question. And I'm not really sure because I'm not there yet. But I can imagine it would be something along the lines of not spending more than two hours in the gym, um, keeping the, the training volume at a much lower volume. Uh, and yeah, doing, doing a lot more steady state zone two work. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. Just keeping the volume intensity a bit lower, obviously getting your touches in on that. Cause that's going to help to keep you fit, but not doing, not burying myself, you know, five days a week. Yeah. And you talk about the sacrifices and even I see sacrifices for myself as a low grade Olympic lifting athlete, right? They're just doing weightlifting. You see those sacrifices with the food and the time, and the sleep and the energy that you're, you're giving to these, um, some would say just what our, our like trivial things, getting on a platform and lifting weights, but it's more to that. And there's so many people out there that want this lifestyle to be their career, to be the profession. I was just talking to somebody and they said only like 5% of people that they know um, that are elite athletes make an income off of this. And so for those people that are trying to pursue this and trying to be a CrossFit Games athlete or trying to be an Olympic lifting athlete, any sort of like professional strength sport or whatever, obviously you made it. You're living people's dream right now. So what would be your tip to those people that are trying to get to where you're at? It's kind of funny or I guess funny that you say that, that people think I'm like living the dream, but all I'm doing is just try, <laughs> trying to be better every day, you know? Um, but for somebody that is trying to monetize, you know, being an, an athlete of sorts, it's really about building a brand, right? So what do I mean by that? To me, building a brand is something that you can get other people to relate to while it stays true to your self and your core values. And I think if you do that, you'll you'll definitely be able to grow a brand. Now, I'm not saying you need to like come up with a slogan, put it on a t-shirt and like do anything like that. But people need to be able to relate to you in a sense. Um, and if you're trying to grow a business, social media is a very big factor in that. So one of the things that I think about when I post on Instagram is couple of things. Is this one going to be impactful in a way that someone can take something away from this? They, can they learn from this? Or is it entertaining? And I think you have to kind of find your niche and what you're good at or, and the story that you want to tell and just kind of build off of that. Um, yeah. It's crazy to me how many people like just eat the social media space up. Like they just love it because they like to see people's life being better than their own. 
I remember somebody told me like, yeah, dude, I stopped following that guy because my life will never be that good. And then as a fitness influencer, do you guys think about that kind of stuff? Like, are you portraying like a life that is unattainable or are you just showing the life that you have showing that it is attainable if you take the right steps? Yeah, I feel like mine is more of the latter. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm big at or big on is exercising daily and that movement is medicine. And for me, I'm not really somebody that doesn't train. Like I don't, I just don't feel good when I don't train. Um, so even if that means, you know, hopping on my C2 bike, that's right behind me for 20 minutes, I'm going to feel better doing that than nothing at all. So for me, daily movement is like key. So every day I try to post something that was part of my, you know, fitness routine for the day. Um, just again, hammering and showing that consistency is something that is super important. Same thing with nutrition. Um, you know, I'll post a meal or so that I've eaten throughout the day, things like that. But then like the other thing I try to show is that I'm human, right? So I, you know, I'll post me with in the backyard with my kids, like shooting around the basketball or just random stuff like that. You know, it's just being genuine. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this stuff starts from obviously like a place of wanting to grow your, your social media platform. And then you get to the games and you meet people and you do all these things. And as this, this phase of your life is coming to a close, just like most sports, um, there's something that you miss that isn't the sport. Now, obviously, you're still going to be training CrossFit style, um, just not with the intent of going to compete in the games or Wadapalooza or the whatever it is. But what are you going to miss the most about leaving this CrossFit space, the competitive space, per se? Uh, I would say just being out there on the competition floor, like there is really no feeling like it. And, you know, that, like we were talking about before, that pre-workout jitters or that pre-event jitters, like that's those, that's like a, a feeling that you can't replicate really anywhere else except for, for being out there on the floor. Um, especially you know, at, at the level of, of a games level, you know what I mean? Like you have your local competitions and things like that, but just being in that arena with the best of the best, there's, there's no feeling like it. And then especially if you're, if you're doing well and you hear the crowd react to how, how you're moving in a workout, you kind of feed off of that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And now within the, the competitive setting is everybody, are they all friends? I feel like everyone's friends in the CrossFit setting. Like, all the big name dudes are just best buds, always taking pictures together, hanging out. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you don't like everybody, I think there is a respect between athletes for sure. Um, and it's it's different from most other sports because you're all really work. You're working really hard and putting yourselves through the ringer together. So there's almost like a bond that gets created between the athletes during these events. So 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's really one of those unique factors that makes CrossFit what it is. Like even in a in a class setting, like they call it a cult like mentality, but all it is is really people that are sharing the same common ground and working hard and sweating next to each other. And I think that's more something that you build bonds doing that more than you do just hanging out, sitting in the living room, shooting for sure, whatever. Obviously, there's parts to it, but I think that's a huge part to it. And now phasing out of this CrossFit conversation, let's move on to uh, the business situation. Now, you're obviously going to be having a lot more time to pour more time into your businesses, whether that's your gym, your Move Fast Lift Heavy brand. You said you had another, you had a coaching platform. Talk about like what that looks like for you moving forward. Like, are you, is there going to be more drops for Move Fast Lift Heavy? Is there going to be more programs offered for your training platform? Is there going to be new things offered at your gym? Like what's exciting and what's like on the, the calendar for this 2023 year? Yeah. So, you know, training for the, for the CrossFit games or training to be competitive in general, chews up a lot of time, um, especially as we get closer to the CrossFit games. You know, I remember last year putting in sessions that were anywhere from four to six hours per day. And to be able to get that time back is going to be monumental in growing the businesses for sure. Um, one of the things that I'm really excited about or that I'm planning on doing in the off season on the online training platform is putting out a program that is more for someone that just wants to do, um, they want their workouts to be a little bit more longevity based. So not necessarily so CrossFit high intensity specific yet. We do offer a bodybuilding program. I think kind of meshing the two are going to be something that definitely separates us even more from the rest of the field. Um, so that's one of the things on the online training platform. We also want to do a little bit more individualized coaching, which we're bringing on our first coach um, within this next week, which I'm excited about. Um, if you guys are unfamiliar and you're listening, right now the training is called uh, Train with CH. It follows exactly what I do on a daily basis. So what I'm doing this week, you guys would be doing next week. And it allows me to give you guys feedback on the workouts, but also to make sure that they are properly tested so that you get the correct stimulus that you should be getting in the workout. You know, a lot of times there's coaches out there that they write programs and things like that, but they don't actually do these workouts. So they don't really have a true feel or understanding for what these workouts feel like. Um, so I think that definitely is something that adds a bit of value and makes it a little bit more practical than a lot of the programs out there. Um, on the gear side of things, we actually have a drop that is releasing tomorrow. We call it the this or that. So we took some of the best sellers from this past year and put them up against each other. And the winners from each this or that is going to create our first collection for this year. Um, so, you know, we did one of our best-selling T-shirts versus another T-shirt, a hoodie versus another hoodie, and so on and so forth. 
and uh, it's going to round out to make a nice collection. Gym-wise, I think it's on more of a three three to five-year plan, but essentially branching out and getting another brick-and-mortar facility. Um, that's always been a goal of mine is to have an additional gym or two or three. Hey, just keep going and bring the number <laughs> up. <laughs> now, obviously, you have these dreams of big things coming for your gym and big things coming for your brands, um, which also I, I'm going to plug the move has lift heavy stuff. I got some of their shit from like the world tour uh, collection that you guys had. And I love it. I think it's sweet. Appreciate Definitely. that. I'm looking forward to the new drop that's coming out. I hope, I don't know. I saw some of the posts that you guys made and I voted on all, like all of them. So hopefully <laughs> the ones that I voted for like are, are the ones coming out, but I don't know my wallet probably doesn't hope that they're the ones coming out. Cause then I'm just going to buy them. <laughs> But being so um, influential and having these brands and these gym spaces that you want to go through, obviously there comes with downsides to it all, um, minus like the fact that there is such great outcomes from it. As an entrepreneur, as a gym owner, building a brand, what are the, the drawbacks to doing that? Obviously, time is one of them, but like, what are things that people don't see that would be a potential drawback to being such a involved business owner i would say it's the things that you have to learn as you go because you're not going to know everything going into starting up a business and if you're not ready to be able to be resilient then it can get very discouraging when things don't go well so it's really about trying to understand that or having the ability that when things don't go as planned, you need to be able to quickly pivot to figure out a way to bounce back from it. And I, I mean, that's really like a life lesson, but mm -hmm. in business, it's, it's definitely something that, that, that matters. Um, otherwise, you know, the business won't last. And I feel like too, so I actually have a buddy who's starting up a gym, well, potentially starting up a gym in the near future. And one of the things he keeps saying is like, man, there's a lot of resources that I have to pour into this. Um, obviously, he's got a couple of things that are going to be given to him because there's like a closing situation or whatever, and they're going to be transferring goods. But like for people that are nervous about these resources that they have to pour into, it, everyone starts from something or starts from nothing, starts somewhere. So what would you say to these people that are like, ah, oh, shoot, like, I don't know, like, I really want to do this, but these resources, like, it's scary to give these up because I don't know if this is going to be beneficial in the long run. I just think it will be right now. Yeah, in that case, you kind of just have to go for it and trust your gut. If it's something that you want to start and you feel passionately about, you just need to go and do it and then figure it out as you go if you continually have that what if and you're kind of tippy-toeing around it, chances are you're probably going to delay the process and maybe never even get going in the first place. And I feel like that's um, one of the worst things is when you like know you could go somewhere and then you just don't try and then you never end up getting there at all. Yeah, a lot of people end up fighting themselves. Um, you know, again, it, 
if you have something you want to do, one of the things that you could do is write it down and just try to formulate a plan as best as possible. Um, but just put it out there and get it done. Mm-hmm. I know it, it sounds simple and yeah, but it's good, <laughs> but it, it's just that simple. And then one more question on this gym space idea. If you were, obviously you've been in the gym space for a long time and you've seen a lot of gyms and you've seen a lot of like good facilities and bad facilities for somebody starting up a facility or somebody starting up, we'll even branch this into like a clothing brand or whatever. Um, what do they need to like make that happen? Like what is an it factor that they should be looking for that people are grasping for? Like that the consumers want. It's kind of like what I was talking about earlier is creating a mission or an identity that people can relate with. Because at the end of the day, this is about a community and the stronger your community, the stronger your brand is going to be. So if you can somehow cultivate a community or a message that is relatable to people, doesn't have to be relatable to everybody, but there needs to be some sort of core consumer that you're aiming for or you're trying to target. And then once you do that, it's really about doubling down and and pouring your resources into that. Mm-hmm. I like that. I feel like a lot of people um, go out doing these things thinking that what they're doing is great, but not with the mission and the intent behind it is always great. And I think that's what builds that strong bond between, if you say it's a gym, not only the members, um, but the members with the owner and the trainers as well. Yeah. So if you have like your mission statement or, you know, what your core values are, that needs to be something that pretty much everyone is aware of from your community to your employees, the people that work with you, right? Everybody needs to be on the same page. And if they don't align with it, they, they shouldn't be a part of it or, you know, it's going to throw your, throw your mission off. And that's a tough conversation to have with some people. Like, Hey, if you don't align with these values, like then we don't want you around here. And for sure. a lot of people need to do that in their own lives, but that's a sidebar. But anyways, dude, I appreciate your time. I don't want to keep you too long. We've already been on for 45 minutes, but there's been a lot of great things said in this podcast and I'm, and I'm excited to get this out. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. This was great. This has been the Pre-Professional Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.